0: We started last week. Last week was the first Sunday of the year. We started a conversation that was twofold, right? We talked about our focus for the year, which is the word resolved, uh, to be resolved in who we are, what we believe, who we are as a church, what we're going to do, what we're going to be committed to. Um, And we talked about the importance of that resolution happening and the foundation that we're building our faith upon. And so in part of that conversation as that is our focus for the year, we started a new series called We Are GFC we've been talking a little bit about what that means for us and so last week i talked a little bit about what we were going to be founded upon and one of those things was that we were always going to be founded on scripture the bible was going to be our final authority and so that's why we open god's word on sunday mornings it's why we allow god's word to influence what we do and who we are as a church family and so today what i want to do is i want to ask two questions and the first question is kind of ironic for where we find ourselves today because the question is, why do we worship? And really, the question is, why do we worship corporately? Why is it important for us to come together, to join together, to worship together, to be a church body that gathers and isn't separate all the time? Now, obviously, we've leveraged and decided to leverage the fact that we can join as a body in a non-physical place, right? We can join together. I don't know how many people are watching live right now, but we have a group of people. We've decided that we're going to set aside time on a Sunday morning to gather together to study God's word and to worship together, to put, to prioritize our time to be together. But why is that important all the time? And why is it important for when we can be in a physical space together to do what we can to get there? We can't always do that, right? But when we can, why is that so important. I wanna talk about that a little bit this morning, and just to let you know, this morning's gonna be a little bit different. Obviously, it's already different. I tend to usually stick with one passage if I can. Today is not gonna be that day. There's gonna be a lot of bouncing around. So, here's the best way for you to keep up with us today. It would be, if you're watching this, uh, you've got the stream going from your laptop or something like that, I would grab a phone or your tablet or something, go to our website, mygracefamily.church, And go to our follow along tab that is still live today, just like if you were here in the room and it's gonna have all the verses for you. So instead of having to flip around or something like that, we just have the verses there for you. You can just follow along, you can follow along with the notes, all of that kind of stuff. And so that would be the easiest way for you to do that. So I would would say, take a second, grab your phone, grab your tablet and follow along with us there on our website, again, mygracefamily.church and it's the follow along tab, it'll be right there on our page. So today, though, where I want to start is I want to start in the book of Hebrews, and I want to go to chapter 13. And so in chapter 13, verses 15 and 16, say this, I say, therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. And don't forget to do good to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. And so I want to develop that just for a minute. He says, therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God. Well, what does that mean? It means that, first of all, there has to be that connection with Jesus, right? We've talked about that. Pat. Being a follower of Jesus leads us into this place where we can then offer a continual sacrifice of praise to God. Isn't that interesting, that phrase? Sacrifice praise. Of praise. What does that imply? It implies that worship means we're going to have to give up something. There's a cost. There's an amount that we're going to have to set ourselves aside and say we are going to worship God. You think about if somebody got something for free and then just gave it to you, right? It would be nice. like Great, they didn't have to give it to you, but they gave it to you. But think about if somebody spent a lot of money on something and they gave it to you. It means that there is a sacrifice. There's something that that person is giving up in order to give to you. And so God says the thing that I love and the thing that I cherish is that there would be a sacrifice of praise. That there would be an intentionality and a desire for us to worship him. And then he and he says proclaiming our allegiance to his name. And then he says don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. So here's the first thing I want us to understand about worship is that worship is both personal and mutual. It is both personal and mutual. Yes, there should be a personal aspect of worship and praise to God. I have a responsibility as a follower of Jesus that I would personally worship and give God praise. That is a responsibility that I have. But there's also a mutual responsibility where he says we're supposed to connect with other people. We're supposed to know their needs. We're supposed to know who they are. We're supposed to worship together. And so at times we can get into a space where we think about, okay, am I doing what I need to do? But there is that corporate and mutual aspect of worship that God says is important to him. And I think the reason why is because shared experiences leave a greater imprint on our lives and personal experiences. Now you can have some very deep and meaningful personal experiences, right? Where you're on your own and you experience something and it's amazing and it's great, right? And the immediate thing you want to do is you want to tell somebody else about that. I can't believe this happened. I want to tell, I gotta tell somebody about it, I gotta tell you about it, right? There's this amazing thing. But what happens when you experience that thing with a group of people? Whether it's a great vacation or celebrating a holiday or celebrating a team win, what is what is the fun in that? It's it's that years later, maybe. You're sitting around and you're talking and you're reminiscing and and you're remembering that shared experience. And it means so much to all of you because you were there together. And when you get back into a space together, you feel it again. It's why we do reunions and things like that, right? We remember all those experiences we had together. And that's the importance of corporate worship. That we would gather together and we would share an experience that is meaningful to us. And that it builds that community with one another because we've experienced it together. So overall today, I think there are three reasons that I would give as to why we worship, why we worship corporately. And that first one we've already talked a little bit about It's that we would bring glory to God. I want to go to First Chronicles here for a minute. We're going to read verses 23 through 31. In 1 Chronicles, uh, sorry, in, in chapter 16, 1 Chronicles 16 Twenty three to thirty one, it says this Sing to the Lord all the earth, proclaim his salvation day after day, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all people. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise, he is to be feared above all gods. Verse twenty six, for all the gods of the nations are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and joy are in his dwelling place. Ascribe to the Lord all you families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Verse 29. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. Let the heavens rejoice let the earth be glad, let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. And we get this idea from 1 Chronicles 16 of this adoration when it comes to God, right? We recognize how amazing he is, we recognize all the things he's done, all the power he has, and there's this feeling of awe when we look at God. That's what worship is. In fact, I believe that humans We're created to glorify God. Have you ever thought about that? Like he made us in order to bring glory to himself. Maybe you've made something or built something or created something and you sit back and you go, man, that's awesome. It was great. And you want to show it to people. You want to show them how you did it and what you did. And even maybe other people would say, would you do that for me? Right. It looks great. I I would love to see that or do that or have that. And so God created us because our existence, our mere existence brings him Glory, But what is really worship? Worship is when we willfully and intentionally give our lives back to Him. That's how we worship Him. That we would willfully and intentionally give our lives back to Him. That it wouldn't be a struggle. It wouldn't be something that we do begrudgingly. That we would set apart the time to do it. That that we were intentional about wanting to give glory to God, to set apart time to actually give Him praise, to recognize His greatness, to be in His presence and realize how amazing He is that when we willfully and intentionally do that, we bring Him glory. You know, I heard it said this way one time that just just the fact that we have breath in our lungs glorifies God, but it brings Him joy when we give that breath back to Him. We don't spend it on things that could just build ourselves up but that when we spend it by singing or reading his word or having a spiritual conversation that we give that back to him and that brings him glory. So the first reason that we worship on our own or even corporately is to simply bring him glory. It's why we sing to him. We turn our attention towards him. We set a Apart part-time. We use our talents and our energy to say we are going to give you worship simply because you are God. That's why we worship. And when we do that together, we join our voices together. We join our talents together. We join our abilities together. It brings God glory when we work together as the church and do those things together. The second thing that I think is a reason why we worship is that we would prioritize our lives. I said to prioritize my life, to prioritize your life. In Acts chapter 2, and this is typically where we go when we talk about the church. Acts chapter 2, verses 46 and 47 say this, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. It's amazing to think about this, right? It says, attending the temple together and day by day. This is a daily occurrence for them. Now, when we look at this and we say, okay, how does this translate to 2,000 years later? It's normal and logical that things would change a little bit, that we don't end up in church every single day, right? Think about the culture back then. They lived much closer together. They could walk pretty much everywhere. So being able to get to the temple was a, a few minutes walk, right? It was engaging in just where they spent their time, and you spent time walking to other people's houses. That's not the place we live today, right? You need to drive, and we take vehicles, and we've spread ourselves out differently than they did back then. But the principle can still be the same, that we would engage on a daily basis in worship, that we would engage with other people who are also followers of Jesus, that we would be intentional about connecting ourselves to our faith on a day-to-day basis, even if we don't necessarily come together corporately. This is, again, one of the reasons we say we want you as a part of a small group, because that small group is going to meet another time of the week, so you can gather together and learn together and fellowship together and glorify God together, but then there's also those deeper relationships that are built, and so it may not be every single day, but more often, there's times where if you have a prayer request, you know who to reach out to and and a struggle you can share with and a praise you can be excited about with people, right? There's there's another level of corporate worship that happens there on a day-to-day basis, just like it would have back in Acts chapter 2. And here's the importance of that. First of all, corporate worship and connecting with other people takes the focus off of me. It's very easy. For me, I'm assuming it's easy for you to focus our lives around ourselves, right? And so when we take this step to say, I'm going to decentralize myself, it causes us to see other things as more important, whether that's worshiping God, or it's connecting with other people and putting their needs maybe ahead of my own. Because this is true. A life lived completely focused on me is idolatry. Have you ever thought of it that way? Like if I'm living simply to glorify myself and only worrying about me, I'm my own idol. And so what God says is the goal of worship is to decentralize ourselves and to take the focus off of us so that we focus it on God and we focus it on and we focus our lives on other people so that we can bring him glory. And so we have to do that mental evaluation and say where, is, where are my priorities? What, what's the focus of my life? Am I really making time day by day to give God glory and to invest in relationships with other people, whether they be church people or not, reaching them with the gospel as well? And so how do we do that? And how do we process that? How do I prioritize my life around worshiping God? The third reason I believe we worship God is to invest in others. And in 1 Corinthians 11, starting in verse 20, there's a very interesting story. Um, and this is Paul actually kind of yelling at some people. So I think that's interesting. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, starting in verse 20, it says this, When you meet together, you are not really interested in the Lord's Supper. For some of you, hurry to eat your own meal without sharing with others. As a result, some go hungry, while others get drunk verse 22. What? Do you, don't you have your own homes for eating and drinking? Or do you really want to disgrace God's church and shame the poor? What am I supposed to say? Do you want me to praise you? Well, I certainly will not praise you for this. I think this is so interesting. We don't see this side of things a lot in scripture. And so Paul says, this is this is a problem. They're coming together worship god and to take the lord's supper together so we just did that last week as a church family usually when they would do this 2,000 years ago there was a meal okay when jesus did it the very first time at the last supper it was there was a meal involved and so this was a little bit different they were coming together for a meal it says that people were so worried about themselves they were in such a hurry to eat that they didn't have a chance to share they didn't share anything and so therefore people that didn't have the opportunity to bring part of their meal they didn't get to eat. So the point was, if you had food to bring and share and to provide for others, that you would be able to do that. But some of them ate so quickly that the people that needed, that, that didn't have the food and needed to be invested in from other people and needed to uh, be shared with, don't get anything. And then some were getting drunk because they were drinking every all the wine that they had before they could share it. And so therefore they end up with people not getting to eat and some people being drunk. How does that sound as a church event? Some people are still hungry and some people are drunk. Not a great situation, right? And so Paul says, don't you have your own homes where you can do that? Like if you're at home and you're eating yourselves, eat whatever you want, right? That's fine. But the purpose of coming together and worshiping together is that we would be blessed by being together that we would be invested in with each other, that there would be people that need things, that we would be able to provide. And if you are in need, that you would be provided for. That's part of the corporate worship together. (laughs) He says, do you want me to praise you? You want me to say this is good? He says, I won't do that. And so when we look at what church means and why we worship together, particularly corporately, again, it's to take that focus off of ourselves and it's for us to be able to invest in others. And we each have our own blessings, our own gifts, our own abilities that we're able to share with one another. And so when we come together as a family, as a body of Christ, the opportunity is for us to invest in one another because some of us are better at one thing and some of us are better at others. And so when we come together, those needs are met. That's what we're called to do as the body of Christ so we get to glorify God. We get to prioritize our lives by thinking about others rather than ourselves and thinking about God rather than ourselves. And we get to invest in other people out of that understanding that we're not the most important, that we shouldn't just keep everything for ourselves, but that we would share it so that others can benefit as well. And not even just people that are in our church, but people that are outside our church. When we bring our resources and our gifts together, and then we look outside our walls, other people are blessed as well. And all of that, being willing to share, invest, and even reach people, brings glory to God. When we worship, we cannot be selfish. Our worship, if it's just done for our own sake, for us to feel good, for us to build righteousness for ourselves, for us to feel like we did our duty, is not worship. It's worship when we bring that sacrifice of praise that we talked about earlier where it costs us something to worship someone else, or worship something else, or invest in something else. and So we can choose to do that with things that aren't God. We can choose to do that just for ourselves. But what Jesus calls us to is that we would offer that praise to God, and we would invest in those who are around us. So question one was, why do we worship corporately? I think those three reasons give a good summation. Now here's the second question I want to talk about today. Can I? be a follower of Jesus without the church? Or can I be a follower of Jesus and not go to church? Or can I be a follower of Jesus and have a problem with the church? Now this question I think has come up a lot more recently. There's people particularly that are my age, millennials, Gen Z, the younger younger generations, um, and even some that are older than me where we've come to the place where we've recognized the church has problems, right? And not just talking about GFC, but just the church As a whole, right? Every couple months, we're getting news about another pastor. Even this week, there was news about a pastor who was a mega church pastor and he had an affair and and all that stuff. And so, people in the church and outside the church see this and they go, What's so great about the church? Like, there's problems, there's issues, leaders are making bad decisions, leaders are abusing people's time and resources, leaders are using their churches to get rich. And so, you know what? I'm just gonna step aside, I'm going to say, you know what, I'm going to follow Jesus, I like Jesus, he's cool, but I'm going to stay away from the church, I don't want anything to do with that organization, it is corrupt, it is wrong, it asks too much of people, it just tries to get rich off them, it tries to take from them, I want nothing to do with it, and some people have found themselves in this boat, and you know what, I get it, because if we expect certain things from people, and they don't, they don't show up, or they don't deliver, We walk away. We say, well, I can't depend on you. I I can't expect anything different than what you've already shown me. And so I get why people do this. But but this question, right, we have to look at Scripture and say, what do we do about this? All right, we have to use the Bible as our final authority. And so when we think about that, I want to go to Ephesians chapter 1 for a minute. In Ephesians chapter 1, I want to start in verse 19. He says this in verse 19, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Okay, so that's 19 and 20. Let's, let's pause for just a second right there. I want us to kind of catch this. He's talking about God's power, meaning God the Father. Okay? his power he is he says the same mighty power that same power raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the place of honor at God's right hand so when we think about God as a whole we've got God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit they're all equal but they all have different roles and so God the Father his power Paul's saying here to the Ephesians it's the same as the power that raised Jesus from the dead and he seats Christ, at this, in the seat of honor, in the place of honor, okay? So they share this power. There, There is no, they are one in this power. There is no distinction, okay, as far as how powerful they are. So keep going in verse 21. Now he, Jesus, is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. So he says that power that God the Father has clearly shared with, with God the Son, Jesus, Puts him over every other ruler in, in our world and in the heavenly realms. Okay, He is above every other leader. He is the one. In verse 22 and 23, he goes on to say this. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself? So we have God the Father, God the Son with His power, and He says, I, I put Jesus in that place of power over all other powers to benefit the church, who Christ is the head of, and the church is the body. Now, logical question, right? You separate the head from the body, and what happens? Neither one can survive. Now, Jesus can survive without us. He doesn't need us. But he has put us in a relationship with him where we get to be so deeply connected and rooted in him that we get to be his followers. We get to be his church. We get to worship him and invest in others because we are so deeply connected to him. Listen. Jesus and the church cannot be separated. It's that simple. I understand why people, and maybe if you're listening to this, you're watching this, you've had this question, right? You've processed this, I get it, right? I I understand the frustration with saying, I just wanna follow Jesus. These other people are driving me nuts, right? I can't follow them, it doesn't work. I understand getting to that place, but here's the problem. When we look at scripture, that's not what Jesus wants from us. So if we're saying we're gonna follow Jesus, we can't follow Jesus and then say, I forsake the church. Because Jesus doesn't do that. He says he is connected to the church, he loves the church, and the church is his bride. And so at the very base of being a follower of Jesus is our ability and our desire and our requirement to be a part of the church. I believe this so deeply that I would also say you cannot glorify Jesus while standing against the church. You, you can't take a stand against the church as a whole and, and, and write it off completely and also glorify Jesus. The two have to go together. They cannot be separated from one another. And so if you find yourself in this place asking this question and, and frustrated with the church and wanting to follow Jesus but seeing the corruption and the, the, the issues, well, guess what? If you are a follower of Jesus, you are included in the church You may not be included in a specific body, right? You may not be a partner or a member at a specific local church, but you are a part of the church if you are a follower of Jesus. And therefore, that means that you can invest back in and try and be an answer to some of the problems you see. You can start to live in a way where that corruption isn't accepted, where that uh, level of mistreatment is not a part of the church family. And so you get to reinvest in that way, And to help people who maybe even have been abused or mistreated by the church. And so we have a responsibility when we see a a real problem in the church that we would speak up and have that conversation. And and I I would say at GFC, if you see that problem, especially if it's a moral issue or something like that, like have a conversation, have a conversation with me, have a conversation with Pastor Andrew, have a conversation with the elders. We want to be the church the way that Jesus calls us to be the church. And that's what we're interested in, that we would glorify him when we come together and that we would invest in one another because we love one another. And we want those that are connected to GFC and those that are touched by GFC in our community to know who Jesus is and to grow in their relationship with him because we want to glorify God. And so the question as we wrap up our time today. It's a define the relationship question, okay, a DTR. Have you ever had one of them where you have to, like, figure out what's going on and you have to define a relationship with somebody and and figure out what's happening? And and as a follower of Jesus, we have to have that conversation with ourselves when it comes to church. And so the question is this, how is my church participation helping or hurting my relationship with Jesus? And I want you to think about this question from the backdrop of what we just talked about, that, that Christ has made himself one with the church, just like as he's married to the church, right? That, that's the understanding that we have from Scripture. And so if that's true, how is your church participation or non-participation helping or hurting your relationship with Jesus? And if, if church participation, whatever that means, right, whether it's attending on Sunday or being in a small group or, or giving or serving somewhere, it, it, how is that helping or hurting your relationship with Jesus? And my, my plea is that we would look at and prioritize our connection to the church, our participation as the body of Christ, so that it would cause, us, cause our relationship with Jesus to grow. Like we talked about last week, that we would look at our foundation of our spiritual life, and that we would build it on Jesus. And I believe part of that is connecting with a local body of belief. You know, we we want this to be true. I, I want this to be true of everyone that's connected with GFC. That we would be committed to glorifying God. That we would do that on a daily basis, even in our personal time. That we would be committed to being a part of the church. That we would be committed to investing in other people. We would be in, in investing ourselves in contributing to what our church does. And we're even getting ready, at the end of this sermon series, to challenge those of you who have already decided to be partners with us to almost like renew your vow to say, what does that mean? Right? We talked about last week church today looks different. It looks different because of the circumstances we've run into, but what we know is that we need to have a renewed commitment, just like we do with our marriages. Sometimes we renew those vows. We remember those anniversaries. We're going to ask you to renew your vow and say, what does that mean for you? What is the best way for you to invest as a church member this coming year? And we want to come alongside you and do that. We want to do that as a church body, as partners who have decided that we are committed to following Jesus together. So what's your DTR as you define that relationship, right? How is church participation helping or hurting your relationship with Jesus? And I want you to process that and think about how your church attendance needs to change or how your involvement or participation in church needs to change to grow your relationship with Jesus this year in 2022. Let's pray together. Lord, we are grateful that we can look all through Scripture and understand what it means to worship you. And I ask that we would be clear on what it means for us to invest in others, to glorify you, to remove ourselves from the center of our attention, to turn our attention to you and to others, and that we would come together as a body of believers and be willing to invest, be willing to glorify you and not have ourselves as the center of our attention. We thank you for times when we can come together and worship you and sing together and use our talents and our energies to bring glory to you as a body of believers. We thank you that we get to do that together. We pray that we would continue to do that well through 2022. In Jesus' name, amen.